All right. Um, we are in John chapter 3. And if you, you remember from last week, I left you with a little cliffhanger, right? Did Jesus baptize people? Yeah. John chapter 3, and we're going to be picking it up here at verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Enion uh, near uh, Salim. Because water was plentiful there, and the people were coming and being baptized. John had not yet been put in prison. All right, so <clears throat> have you ever thought of Jesus baptizing? Well, wouldn't it be nice to be baptized by Jesus? Well, here's, 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 the, here's the thing. You have been. <laughs> this is how it works, right? Um, so we get a little bit more clarification um, in, in chapter 4, actually. So you know, the beginning of chapter 4, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that John was making uh, and baptizing more disciples, uh, I'm sorry, when, when Jesus heard Uh, learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Ah! So, was Jesus baptizing or not? (laughs) He was. How does Jesus baptize, though? Through others. Through others. Jesus baptizes by means of his apostles, his disciples, pastors, right? That's how Jesus baptizes. So when we see there in John chapter 3, and we think, oh, well, Jesus was baptizing, um, we might think, well, you know, again, it would be nice to be baptized by Jesus. Well, if you've been baptized in a Christian baptism, you have been baptized by Jesus because he's the one actually at work doing something in it. Does that make sense first? Okay. Let's look, let's look in, our, in our hymnal here. We can review the catechism because it's nicely tucked in there for us. Uh, on the section on baptism. So if you turn in your hymnal here to page 300, let's see, 325, 325. Okay, page 325, the sacrament of holy baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is water included in God's command and combined with God's word. Which is that word? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
What benefits does baptism give? It works forgiveness of sins, rescues from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. And which are these words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever, whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then here you get this wonderful question, right? How can water do such great things? Certainly not just water, but the word of God in and with the water does these things, along with the faith which trusts this word of God in the water. For without God's word, it is, the water is plain water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism. That is, a life-giving water, rich in grace, and a washing of new birth in the Holy Spirit. As St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. So, baptism is always done by Jesus because it is by his authority and his command. And his word stands behind it, causing it to actually accomplish what he says it's going to accomplish. Uh, This is the way that God likes to work. He likes to work by means, doesn't he? God doesn't generally work directly. He works through means. How do you hear the word of Jesus? Does he speak to you audibly? Well... Through others, (laughs) through the means of others, yes. Does he he write to you directly? Well, he has in his word, right, in Scripture, in the Holy Scriptures, those are words for us, to us. Uh, How does he deliver the forgiveness of sins? Through means, right? Through the pastor declaring your sins are forgiven, through the Lord's Supper, through baptism. Uh, this, is, this is not out of the ordinary for the way in which God does things. This is very normal. Uh, in fact, following up Article 4 in the Augsburg Confession on justification, you have the, the next article, Article 5, is on the ministry. And it says this, that we may obtain this faith the ministry of teaching the gospel and administering the sacraments was instituted. For through the word and sacraments, as through instruments, the Holy Spirit is given, who works faith where and when it pleases God, in them that hear the gospel. To wit, our, uh, that God, uh, not for our merits, but for Christ's sake, justifies those who believe that they are received into grace for Christ's sake. So, Why does the office of holy ministry exist? So that people can be baptized and be preached to and receive absolution and receive the Lord's Supper because these are means by which Jesus is at work. So we see that all the way back at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John. So Jesus was baptizing. Well, what does that mean? It means his disciples were baptizing by his authority, by his command, 
with his promise. So, have you been baptized by Jesus? Yeah, you have. All right, make sense? Thoughts, comments, questions? All right, cool. Um, but that, that line probably stands out because we don't think about Jesus baptizing. So then, you know, it's, it's helpful that John clarifies that for us in the beginning of chapter four saying, well, by baptizing, what I really mean is his disciples were doing the baptizing, you know, at his, uh, at his bidding. All right. So uh, after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them all and was baptizing. John also was baptizing uh, because the water was plentiful there and people were coming to be baptized. John had not yet been put in prison. Verse 25, now a discussion arose between some of of John's disciples and uh, a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness? Look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. So we have this period of time in which the ministry of John the Baptist and the ministry of Jesus are both occurring. Not a long period of time, but there is a period of time. Uh, so John, what, what was John's role? What had God sent him to do? Prepare. To prepare the way. Well, Jesus is already there. There's no more preparation needed, right? Well, <laughs> sure there is. There's still people that need to have the way prepared to receive the Messiah. So John continues his ministry of preparation, helping people to be prepared to receive the one he has come to prepare the way for. Um, this, is, this is the season of Advent, isn't it? What is the season of Advent about? Preparation, preparing for the coming of Christ. Hasn't Christ already come? Yep. So we're preparing to celebrate his first coming at at, at Christmas, right? We're going to celebrate that at Christmas, but we're also really preparing for his final coming, right? That he will come to judge the living and the dead. We are preparing for that. So, The ministry of Jesus has already occurred. It is still occurring, and it will conclude with the the coming uh, in that sense. Um, But our our role is continue to prepare the way for Jesus. So we want people to be prepared if they're in the church, but we also want to prepare the way for those outside the church so that maybe, maybe by the Holy Spirit's miracle— they can be brought to faith as well. Okay, so John is, uh, is doing his ministry. Jesus is doing his ministry. Some of the people come to him and they're like, hey, um, it, you know that guy that was with you that, that you baptized? And uh, he's over there baptizing now too. And more people are going to him. You're not really succeeding in gaining a following for yourself, John. (laughs) I mean, that was what people would have expected. What would would success look like for a rabbi? 
to gain a larger and larger following. Well, what does John say? Uh, John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You, re- you yourselves bear, wit- uh, bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. It's just beautiful, isn't it? He's like, great. Isn't that awesome? They're not following me. They're following Jesus. That's what I came to do. (laughs) This is really what... um, This is what ministry is about. I don't want people to come to church because of me. I want people to come to church because of Jesus. I don't want people to say, uh, I want to be a part of this congregation because I like the pastor. I hope you don't dislike the pastor. Uh, But but the the aim is is what? Not for anybody to follow me, but to follow Jesus. Uh, You know, I, I, I am not the important one here. Um, so John has this completely right. He understands his role, his ministry, his place. And he's rejoicing that he's losing his following <laughs> because they're going to Jesus. They've actually been listening to him when he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's like, go that way, go follow him. And they do. He's like, good, this is how it ought to be. Uh, and then his, that last line is just, this is just fantastic stuff, right? He must increase, but I must decrease. That is the ongoing life of the Christian, isn't it? That more and more and more, we die to self and live to Christ. Um, Christianity is not the course of self-fulfillment. Because what would self-fulfillment look like? Indulging the sinful flesh. <laughs> if, if you just pursued everything that you want in your heart, you would be pursuing a lot of sin because our hearts are sinful and <clears throat> wicked. Rather, Christianity is dying to self and living in Christ living for Christ. So he must increase, I must decrease more and more and more. I want Christ taking over my life, Christ leading the way, Christ being the one who uh, I live for, not self. All right, thoughts, comments, questions? Okay. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. It's interesting you're covering this given what we win. Yeah. It seems like it's something that is in modern day Christianity, maybe, not maybe, seems to me it's pretty apparent that that's it's a pretty big swing of this that the, the broader Christian church is having right now. Well, it's, it's fascinating when you have um, 
you have pastors that put out Bibles with their own name on it. <laughs> like, and, and, and we saw the one, you know, the, the Jimmy Swagger one, which is just, oh my goodness, that was ridiculous over the top. The red letters being the, red, the, the words of Jimmy Swagger, not the words of Jesus. Oh my gosh. But, I mean, can you imagine the hubris to be like, well, you know, the, the, the Ben Meyer study Bible. Like, who would want that? <laughs> and, and to put my own name on the Bible. Like, no, this is about Jesus. This is about, you know, God. This is not about the pastor. This is not about some leader. Um, you know, we have the Lutheran study Bible, but that's trying to d- distinguish like this is the perspective, right? So that you know where it's coming from. But uh, even then it's like, uh, maybe, maybe we could find a different word for that, right? Um, but yeah, to, uh, to have that self-promotion um, is not helpful, not healthy. Um, and we've seen, we've seen in recent years so many of these pastors of huge churches that end up with all kinds of problems and the devastation that it causes. Um, you know, celebrity is dangerous. And uh, when you start believing the hype about yourself, it's not good. Um, but yeah, he must increase, I must decrease. That's the kind of thing you can put on a, on a coffee cup or a, or a t-shirt and be like, yeah, that's good. That's good biblical uh, saying that uh, isn't ripping something out of context. That's good stuff. All right, verse uh, 31, he who comes from above is above all. <laughs> so that right there, right? John, aren't you worried about people going to him? No, he, he's above all. Like they should go to him. Uh, he is uh, he who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks uh, in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. All right, now we're going back to the John chapter one um, about the the light and the darkness and the darkness preferred. You know, the, the people preferred darkness over light. Uh, they did not listen to his testimony. They did not receive his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, or he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not uh, obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. All right, so we get a little bit of Trinitarian um, uh, language here. Um, He whom God has sent, so uh, if we go to the, the Nicene Creed, right? Proceeds from the Father, right? So we got a well. Here I'll grab my uh, my, my uh, hymnal here, right? So you know, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of Light, 
Uh, very God of very God, be not gotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, whom, by whom all things uh, were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven. So here is the one sent down from heaven who speaks. And when he speaks, it is the word of God because he is God. And he gives the spirit without measure. That's a really good line right there, isn't it? Because what is, if, if you give it with measure, that means what? In limited amounts, right? So a measure of wheat would be a certain amount, right? Without measure means just keeps giving it again and again, more and more and more and more and more. Not limited. Okay? The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Okay, so didn't the son have all things in his hand? As being God? Yes, and in respect now to his humanity, this is given. So he has this from eternity, but now according to his humanity, it is also received. So what happens is the humanity is elevated. The, the divinity is not diminished. So why this matters is, is this is part of the incarnation. The, the whole idea is that uh, our humanity is actually elevated by the incarnation of Jesus and his sacrifice, his uh, death and resurrection, so that when we are brought into God's, um, God's presence uh, in our new resurrection bodies, those bodies are elevated because of the work of Jesus. Uh, okay. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. All right, what tense is that? Present tense, not will have, but has right now. Do you have eternal life? Yes. Right now? Yes. yes. Present tense reality. Okay. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not, and, and, and I don't. This is not the greatest translation. Obey. Um, really, the idea is who, whoever does not you know, hold fast to. Whoever does not uh, keep um, the, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Okay, so uh, what's that? You were going to ask about that one? I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I, I headed it off. <laughs> yeah, because when we think obey, we think now that we're back to works righteousness, right? Um, you know, so, oh, well, I don't always obey, therefore I must not have this. Uh, but but that's not really the sense in which this is being used, but it's if you're not holding fast to him, if that's not the thing that, that you cling to. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Thoughts, comments, questions on that? All right, then let's get to Jesus baptizing some more. <laughs> John chapter 4. Now when... Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples only. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And 
he had to pass through Samaria. All right, so let's stop there. Okay, the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Um, he leaves. That's interesting, isn't it? If, if you seem to be having a whole lot of success in this one location, why leave? <laughs> I think there's a yeah, I think there's a few things factoring in. Part of it, yeah, it was not yet his time. Uh, there there was, you know, it wasn't the appointed time for um the final work to be done. Um I think also because he was gonna go bring the kingdom of God to other people in other places. And that was necessary to do. Okay, so where does he go? He departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, Galilee is north, right? Northern kingdom. Remember, remember the, uh, the divided kingdom in the Old Testament? What happens? You have King David, you have King Solomon, and they are on the same page, united kingdom, right? The ten northern tribes, the two southern tribes, they're, they're a united nation. And then after Solomon, you end up with Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and there's a divided kingdom. And you have the northern kingdom, which is Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. And the, uh, the north is a mess, like forever. <laughs> well, where does Jesus go? To those sinners up north. <laughs> to where it was a mess the entire uh, you know, second part of the Old Testament. Um, and uh, in, the, in the midst of that, he passes through Samaria. Well, what's the deal with Samaria? Yeah, this is even, even more of a mess because the Samaritans are some of uh, the people that when the exile happens, they get left behind. Uh, so Nebuchadnezzar comes in, sacks Jerusalem, takes a whole bunch of captives, takes them all away, and then the, but there's some people that get kind of left behind there. And they end up intermarrying with some of the other peoples. And so when the captivity ends and they get sent back to Jerusalem, they're like, hey, you guys, no, you guys, you guys can't be a, any part of this anymore because you, uh, you've sullied yourself. You've intermarried with these other peoples and um, I, I, no, you know, you, you're, you're second class citizens now. Uh, and so this goes on and on. And, and, and the Samaritans, they're, they're not real happy about the, uh, the exiles returning anyway because um, they're getting all kinds of advantages from um, uh, the, the Persian Empire sending riches and sending things to help rebuild the temple and things like that. Uh, and so there's, there's this hostility and it goes on for, uh, what, 500 years? So uh, going through Samaria, you're going through an area where the Jews are not real popular and the Jews are never going, are never really uh, um, on the same page as the Samaritans. There's this hostility. Okay, but Jesus is going right through there. And he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near 
the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Okay, so Jesus is passing through, but, you know, it's hot. <laughs> and so he stops at the local 7-Eleven, um, also known as Jacob's Well, because that's what's available, right? Uh, he didn't have any Slurpees. Uh, the Slurpee machine was broken. Um, but... Uh, yeah, you know, he's there, and it's it's the sixth hour. The sixth hour means what? Six a.m. Nah, noon. Sixth hour of the day. So after sunrise, basically. So about noon would be the way they would reckon that time. Um, okay. So in other words, it's in the heat of the day. Okay. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. At noon, in the heat of the day, she comes to draw water. What do you know about carrying water? It's heavy. <laughs> it is, it's one of the hardest things to carry, really, because it, it, it's so unsteady. Uh, you know, something that is solid and weighs the same amount versus uh, something that is liquid and is the you know, same weight. The, the solid thing's going to be a lot easier to carry because it's not shifting around on you like that. Uh, so carrying water was a lot of work, and it was not something that was easy. And when would you want to do it? In the morning when it's cool. Or maybe in the evening when it's cool. Definitely not in the middle of the day when it's hot. Well, what does that tell you? She didn't really want to interact with other people. Because what would happen is in the morning, you would have a whole bunch of people go down to the well at the same time. And they would draw water and they would talk and they would gossip and they would spread the news about what was going on and, and, and who said what and did what and all of those kinds of things and uh, it was a social gathering, and they would talk on the way down, they would gather their water, and then they would talk on the way back. And she didn't want to interact with that. That's why she comes in the middle of the day. Okay, so Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, take uh, ask uh, for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Okay, so Jesus asks for a drink, and the woman doesn't say, okay, I'll get you a drink. She says what? Why are you talking to me? <laughs> uh And, and John fills us in here, too, to say, uh, uh, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans, just in case he didn't know, right? <laughs> um, this also is an, a good indication for us that, that John's gospel probably was last written or written late because um, the gospel had gone out to the world 
And so you would encounter a lot of people who wouldn't really know about the Jews and the Samaritans. You know? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. All right, here you get the double meaning. Living water in this uh, time and place had a meaning, which would be what? Like from a stream, right? Living water, moving, moving water which was generally much more pleasant to drink than well water because the well water is stagnant. The living water is, is fresh. Um, so he, she thinks, well, wait a minute. You, first you asked me for a drink, and now you're talking about this living water. Where are you getting this living water? Uh, are you greater than our father Jacob? Right? Who do you think you are? That's what she's saying. Just who do you think you are, buddy? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. All right, so Jesus says, well, you know, you can drink this water, that's fine, but you're going to get thirsty again. But the, the water that I'm offering you, this living water, meaning the water of life, right? It will become in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, she is still thinking very much physically, isn't she? Just like uh, Nicodemus. Uh, uh, we, uh, what, what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Uh, we, we, uh, uh, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe... How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? (laughs) She's still kind of stuck with the earthly things, right? Nicodemus, how do I get back inside my mom so I can be born again a second time? Um, You know, what's this living water? Where do I find that? Uh, uh, But now she's interested, right? She's interested. Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's interested, but she's still thinking very much in earthly terms. How sweet would it be if I didn't have to come all the way down here to draw water every time? Uh, Think of the amount of work I could save, but also think about this. Why is she there at noon? She's a sinner sinner and doesn't want to deal with the other people. Right? She doesn't want to deal with the other folks. So now, if I can have this and I don't have to come down here, then I, I can avoid everyone. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah 
We'll get to more on that here. We'll get a few more. Okay. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, so what's, what's true of this woman? Uh, it's like Paul Harvey's the rest of the story here, right? Uh, yeah, she has no husband, however. <laughs> uh, now, if she's had all of these husbands, um, is this more likely an indication of her own faults or how others have treated her? I mean, it could very well be both. But in this context, who, um, who really had the, uh, the power to divorce? The man did. So the, the likelihood is that she has you know, had men that were her husband and they abandoned her. Uh, however, it could be for a reason. <laughs> that she, she made life unbearable for them, intolerable for them. We don't really know the full story, of course. But what we do know is, is her relationships with others have not been good, uh, even with her spouse. And now she's living in sin because she is living with a man as if he's her husband, but they're not actually married. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. All right. What happens when people are confronted with God's word and they don't like where it's going? They change the subject. And that's exactly what she does, right? Um, so, you know, you're, you say that this is sinful. Well, well... Yeah, but, but uh, you say that the world was created in six days in, you know, thousands of years ago. And, and, and scientists say that it was billions of years ago. So, so which one's right? Uh, or, you know, you know it, it could be any number of, of rabbit trails that they're going to try to lead you down. Because they don't want to deal with that thing that God's word is confronting them with right then and right there. So they, they try to change the subject. They try to find something where you were like, uh, yeah, but what about this? So we can, we can debate that thing that's more comfortable to me. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You Worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Now, what does that mean? Salvation is from the Jews. You have to become Jewish? From From the Jews. Because Jesus is Jewish. (laughs) Salvation comes from the Jews because here is the, the, the very Savior. Jesus, who is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and 
truth. Okay, so how does that happen? How do you worship in spirit and truth? Well, you have to receive the spirit. And, well, what about that whole truth thing? And Jesus is truth. Yeah. Uh, So the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. Again, an indication that this has gone out more widely than just to uh, Jewish people, because Messiah would be the Jewish term, Christ would be the Greek term, Hebrew and and Greek. So uh, this is going out to, to more than just a Jewish audience. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So this is like her last trump card, isn't it? Like, um, I don't want to argue anymore, but the Messiah will straighten it all out when he gets here. <laughs> this is like what, what, when people will, well, I, I just don't know. God will have to tell us when he comes back. You know, uh, okay, well, maybe he has told us. Maybe he is telling you right here. <laughs> So uh, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Uh, oh, oh, the Messiah will straighten things out? That's me. <laughs> That's what I'm here to do for you, right here, right now. Uh, you know, I who speak to you am he. I am that Messiah. All right. We're out of time. We'll stop there. Um, pick it up here next week. Uh, Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to study your word and to find in it uh, the truth of Jesus. We thank you for the means by which you work faith, by which you speak to us, by which you uh, bring forgiveness to us, Uh, and we ask that you would help us to treasure those things rightly. Uh, We ask that you would help us also uh, to be ready and willing to share the good, good news of Jesus uh, as we see Jesus doing with this woman at the well uh, for those who are, are broken, those who are isolated, uh, that we would be a, a means by which you are able to reach out uh, and to bring your love and to bring the good news of forgiveness and adoption and new life that is found in Jesus. Uh, Help us to see those opportunities in our lives around us and to to be ready and willing to share that good news with those that you place in our path. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.